0: The magic of your dream job is realizing what you can't stop doing anyways, because my background is so eclectic. I really had to look between the lines in my roles of what I couldn't stop doing and what I was naturally drawn to. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it.
1: If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
0: Here's Scott.
2: One of the things that I found as we've met and got the opportunity to speak with thousands of people about their careers is, it seems like a lot of people are struggling to find a career that fits. This is not an uncommon problem. It's pretty prevalent. It also seems like a lot of people, when they're taking jobs, when they're taking roles, when they're accepting new opportunities, it seems like they're always leaving a part of themselves out, no matter what job they take. So. If, if you've experienced that too, if you've taken a job and it feels like you have to leave a part of yourself out to be able to go to work each day, even for what might be in you know everybody's mind, a good job or even a great job, then I think you're going to love this episode in this interview because my guest, Allison, was the exact same way.
0: If you're stuck, it's really hard to be positive about your job and yourself because you're you're stuck and you feel incapable. But if you make yourself be positive, then you're going to find a whole lot more opportunities.
2: In my conversation with her, she shared how she discovered how she can combine her skills, her passions to create what's her perfect career, which is, as it turns out, not going to be the same For anybody else. And that's okay. Along the way, she also realized that all of the mental work, all of the preparation that she was doing wasn't just leading to a career change. It was radically changing her life at the same time for the better. She was understanding who she really was. She was seeing how all the pieces of her life were beginning to fit together in ways that she didn't anticipate.
0: And your dream job exists, whether you just haven't heard of it or if you have to create it. But it's there, and when you find it, it's like realizing the person you knew back in middle school is your true love, and it was there all along, and it existed, and you just didn't know how to find it.
2: Allison ended up listening to the episode with Emily Wapnick about multipotentialites, and it was really eye-opening for her to know that first of all, she's not alone, but also there's something that she can do with all of her multiple passions. So she began to do some mental work to try and create the group hug career for herself, as Emily calls
0: it. And that was step one to my mental barriers or mindset blocks, was just realizing that there's other people like me and they made it work to be happy in their careers and to find something that worked for them. Whatever that looks like, whether it was like a job and a side gig or one happy career. But that was step one, realizing that there's nothing wrong with me in this case. And just realizing that I had the either or mindset that you can either like your job and not get paid very much. Or you can be really good at something and highly paid, but not enjoy your life at all. And so the next mindset barrier was realizing that you can have more than one thing was a really, really big deal and really life changing.
1: What helped you get there? Because I think that's something we hear really commonly. You know, Philip on our team, he's our director of student success. He talks with people all the time, every day. And I've had literally many hundreds of calls, maybe even approaching a thousand calls where people have said something really similar to that, like about, well, <laughs> I really want to be paid really well, but I really want to be like they almost talk about it as two different, mutually exclusive things. And a lot of times I find myself on those calls saying, you know, actually, the people that we've worked with find both more often than not. And many times it's the exception rather than the rule that they're taking something that's lower pay and also getting what, uh, what they want. So, I'm very curious from your perspective what helped you make that shift?
0: It was you and your podcast and your CCB program. More background. I went through your CCB program a year ago. Yeah. I I finished it less than a year ago. And some of the tools are, you have us design this ideal career profile. And so you make us acknowledge all of these different aspects and put it together in one sheet. And so it really visually lays it out that you can combine them.
1: Well, I very much appreciate that feedback and kind words. And that's super interesting in terms of how you put it. Because obviously, you know, we put together the program and everything like that. And we intentionally created it, but I don't think I've heard it described quite that way before. So you're saying the real benefit to you was that you could acknowledge all of these different pieces and then we're forced to put them together and look at them differently for the first time. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Everything, everything from money to what kind of relationship do you want with your boss? What kind of geographic location and how do you want your work to feel? What do you want your life to look like? What do you want in your relationships in and out of work? And what are the tasks that are ideal and minimums. And it just, it just forces you to paint one picture instead of subduing parts.
1: You know, as you're going through that type of process and trying to begin to identify what would really create an ideal career for me. What does not just good, uh, a lot of times you hear, you know, what does good look like, but not just good, what does great look like? What does thriving look like? What does ideal look like? What were some of the hardest pieces for you as you were going through that process?
0: The hardest part was getting over fitting myself into a job board because after about a decade of following job boards and what careers were trending and on the uprise, you really get in this holding pattern of not acknowledging what you want. Mm.
1: <laughs> that's, that's super interesting. What, what do you mean when you say not get into a holding pattern and not acknowledging what you want? It almost sounds like you're alluding to job boards are stopping you from acknowledging what you want in some ways. And I'm curious whether you meant that or something else.
0: Yeah. Job boards and then expectations that were either placed on me or I placed on myself or expectations that I just assumed existed, but nobody even pressed on me.
1: What's one of those?
0: That's kind of tough because as an upholder, I swim in expectations. (laughs) If you want to get into my strong opinion of Gretchen Rubin's book, The Four Tendencies, I'm an upholder, which means I can follow inner expectations and outer expectations. So it has advantages, like I expect myself to do my homework and then I do my homework. But then it has disadvantages where someone says, hey, you might be good at doing this kind of job and then I'm like okay it is expected of me that I do this kind of job and then I follow another rabbit hole and probably do it
1: so you part of your past then as i'm you know starting to think about this holistically part of your past is you have these upholder tendencies Where you'll meet your own expectations, but just as easily meet other people's expectations as well. So somebody says, hey, Allison, you should go do this. And then you, not really no problem, but for all intents and purposes compared to a lot of people, no problem. We'll just go and do that. And then only to realize, it sounds like, that that isn't what you want because you're following other people's expectations, and then it sounds like much more recently have started looking at these pieces in a different way because now you're beginning to realize which are other people's expectations, which are your expectations, and then how can you start to piece these together in a way that creates this really ideal career for you?
0: Yeah, which is where the, that holding pattern comes in and I'm combining all these shoulds and when I take on other people's expectations, I don't filter out if they're mine or if they're someone else's or if I just assumed that it was someone else's expectation. Mm. I think a lot of people see that in the form of I don't want to let someone down. Yeah. And overcoming that mindset hurdle was really understanding myself as an upholder and that gets into the whole other topic of the importance of knowing yourself in all of this. So once I became self-aware, which was no easy task, but there's tools to help you become self-aware like in CCB. And once I became self-aware, I was able to create a filter and separate those shoulds and be able to pull up my own voice about what I wanted.
1: Do you think, you know, as you reflect back on this, what do you think are the you know, two to three major things that you did? If you could point to you know, just you know, even one to three major things that you did that really began to set everything else in motion or made the biggest differences for you. Help me understand what some of those were.
0: Probably the biggest thing was seeing my strengths. In CCB, we take StrengthsFinder assessment, which is personally my favorite one I've ever taken.
1: Why is that one your favorite? I know you've taken a lot of assessments. I'm curious why that
0: is your favorite. (laughs) It is so detailed and so accurate. It spits out like five to eight pages of. These are your top five themes, and it really breaks down into this is what it probably looks like in your life, and this is what you tend to say and think and do. And it's like, I am so fantastic because I happen to love these things, and it really pieces together what you're good at. And then you realize, I actually like doing what I'm good at. And then with figuring out your ideal career, you can be like, holy cow, I can add in what I want to this. And it becomes this formula that I thought of where it's confidence plus your strengths plus motion. And the confidence was that mindset work of there's nothing wrong with me. I can have my own success, definition of success and my own values. And it gives you the energy, but then you need to know your strengths to really feel like a superhero. And you get us to figure out our signature strengths, which are the top things that make me uniquely me. And once I realized those, I was really finally able to articulate what I might be fantastic at.
1: So I think that um, there's a lot that can get glossed over really, really quick here. When we say that, I think everybody understands those pieces intuitively, like the whole concept of working with your strengths rather than against you. And you know, working with your strengths allows you to get a lot further, a lot faster and become more successful in whatever it is that you want to do. If you're working with the way that you're wired and the way that you've developed over years and the experiences that you have and uh, more of your natural tendencies versus trying to work against them, which is working outside your strengths. However, I'm really curious for you, why you felt that being able to articulate those things was so powerful. What did that do for you?
0: Other than confirming that I had the capability of being the best that I could be at my job, it really gave me a roadmap to, instead of fitting myself to those job boards, it really empowered me to say, okay, I'm great at these five things. So maybe I can come up with a job or direction that I can use all five of these things, which I really don't believe that you have to have all of your top strengths in a career, because some people like the side hustle or They have something that they're really happy with and they can use their strengths somewhere else. But I think a lot of power comes from feeling like you're the best at what you do.
1: Have you read Angela Duckworth's grit by any chance? No. So the full title of the book is grit, the power of passion and perseverance. And what you're talking about is something that I think is so misunderstood everywhere. Like really, 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 really smart people from all over the world have a tendency to misunderstand this not because of anything they're doing or not doing, but because it's been so wrongly spread the misinformation has been so wrongly spread throughout our society so one of the things that we think about passion like as we as we start to talk about passion and what that even means and everything else. A lot of people have a tendency to think that that means some kind of like spark and excitement and like all these flashy things and there's fireworks and like we associate, you know, fire with passion and we have all kinds of associations like that. And that's what pops into people's heads when we use the word passion. But actually, when you start to look at the research around passion, and there's not tons comparatively to many other subjects but when you really start to look at the body of research that that makes up what passion actually is, you start to realize that real passion, a big part of it, comes from being over time developing a level of mastery or working intensely in those areas that correlate with your strengths and doing that over time. And what's crazy is the people that do in fact have ongoing, lasting passion for something, not just that spark, and then it goes out and then move on to the next thing, which most of us (laughs) associate with passion, that spark. But the people that really actually have that are those that are consistently aligned with their best work and their best efforts. And that means that people who are aligned day to day are feeling like they're delivering a high amount of value because it's associated with their strengths. That's part of how people get that feeling. And it's more of a stacking type effort. It doesn't just like happen. You go and you find the thing and boom, it's exciting forever. Instead, it's much more of a stacking, like you start to get good at it. You do a little bit more work in your strengths. You see some of the excitement or benefit from that. You start to see how you're contributing in a different way. That gives a positive reinforcement there. You start to enjoy that more. All these things, all these individual pieces start to stack on one another, and that adds up to a sustained passion over time. And that's something that is so commonly misunderstood because of how we portray passion in society. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that the layers behind what you're saying are very deep. And I think that there's opportunity to misunderstand what is behind that. So for you, as you think about some of those other pieces that that create those the strengths and, and passion and what you need, what are a couple other examples?
0: Yeah, kind of along the lines of what you said about passion, how it doesn't really have to look like a fire. For me, passion is what I can't stop doing no matter how hard I try.
1: What what does that mean for you? What are some of those things you can't stop doing?
0: I can't stop asking people if they like their job. (laughs) That was a big indicator for me finding my dream job as a career coach was because for like the last five or six years, I compulsively ask, do you like your job? Do you like what you do? And I just can't stop doing it. And then I'm like, Oh, listen, don't ask people that it's too personal or too, too weird. But the magic of your dream job is realizing what you can't stop doing anyways, because my background is so eclectic. I really had to look between the lines in my roles of what I couldn't stop doing and what I was naturally drawn to. And It took a while for me to figure out my signature strengths and what made up what was uniquely me because I had to look back in every role, even though they were different, I had to look between the lines of what lit me up about that. And what was I complimented on and where was I proud of the value I delivered and Looking back at the big picture, even though my jobs were so different, every single job, whether it was part of the role or not, if it was just interactions with employees or how I felt about it, everything pointed to my dream job. So it was weird. It was like this full circle where even though it wasn't a linear path, because there was something I enjoyed in every role or situation, I really learned how to pull all that together to work harmoniously.
1: I think that I really see a lot of those pieces come together for you as a career coach. And I also know that to you, it's important for for you to be able to do your own thing, have your own business, and you're building that business in a way that allows you to have a variety of other pieces that are also important to you. I got to be really honest a lot of times even though we've we've helped a lot of people behind the scenes become career coaches and more recently we've actually developed out an entire entire program for professional career coaches or people that want to become professional career coaches. However, we we don't talk a lot about and we don't bring on a lot of people that we've helped become career coaches. We don't bring along a lot of them to the podcast. And you've probably noticed that as a listener. However, one of the reasons we don't is because a lot of times people have a tendency as they're working with career coach to be very excited about that. And you have the bias of what is in front of you and what you're experiencing and attributing that to what you're seeing and that causes people to sometimes think that they want to be career coaches. So we've been very, very cautious about that as we feature different stories on the podcast because it really does take a a certain type of person to be in a really great and effective coach and to love that over a sustained period of time as we were talking about, you know, passion. So for you... I'm curious, what are some of those road signs where you're like, yep, actually, this part is right for me versus just something that's exciting right now and right this second?
0: Because one was that nerdy thing of always asking people compulsively if they like their job. So being obsessed with career fulfillment and seeing if other people are fulfilled in their careers. And and you did
1: that for five or like five or six years, too. So that wasn't just like a passing thing. Like, I'm really infatuated with this over, you know, three months or two months or something like that. Like you could point to five or six years where you were very, very sustained
0: interest there. So which is a big deal for me, because as a multi potentialite, I shifted gears every couple of years. And so to see sustained patterns of doing the same thing was a really big deal for me. And then, kind of going back to strengths, I call them my superpowers because I'm so proud of finally finding my strengths and mapping them together. Yeah. But another thing I realized was I'm really good at simplifying processes for people. For example, when I was bringing in a new program and procurement, I had to teach people of a lot of different backgrounds yep, and people that are not into learning new ways of doing things because they've been in the same job for 15, 20 years, but realizing how easy and fun it was to really break down the process and speak to someone in their language and then realizing that career change is big. And messy, and a lot of people think it's complicated, but then seeing how easy it is for me to simplify it in their language really turned on a light bulb for me.
1: That's so true because every single day, as coaches, when you're having those types of conversations and interactions, a big part of what you're doing for people is helping them focus on those pieces that matter most by simplifying and breaking it down into what is most relevant and being able to communicate it back to them in a way that is helpful to them in their own words and meeting them where they're at so i can absolutely see that
0: yeah so when i was able to find the core of my personality and tendency sifting back through that wide variety of past roles and interests because along those lines my interests would also change and learning how to do a lot of different things. For example, I have a welding certification, which means absolutely nothing to my life anymore, except when I get down to the why. And the why of it was because I like learning and being challenged. So just because you have some technical trade or some really specialist thing you're good at, doesn't mean you need a job in that. You can break down to why you like it or what is the root personality or tendency that really brings that out.
1: I think that it's both incredibly multi-potentialite and seriously badass that uh, there is simultaneously (laughs) a coexisting welding certification and career coach certification and all of those different types of experiences all in one fell swoop. So (laughs) that's super cool. Not to shift gears too much, but I'm really interested and curious for your variety of experiences here, especially since you happened to figure out that career coaching really is right for you. And that's absolutely not the case for most people. Very few career coaches in the in the world for all intents and purposes. And what I think that does is it gives you an even different lens to look at these things through having had these types of interactions with people too. So I'm curious for you, what overall advice would you give to somebody who maybe is back where you started in the very beginning and you were just finding the podcast and you're starting to think about this in a different way. You'd spent multiple years in a role or job where it was fulfilling those shoulds and you're realizing that you had to do it differently. So for people that are back there, in that mind space, what would you recommend for them to do right now, today, or even over the next week or month? What, uh, what advice would you give them?
0: I really like your method of thinking like a scientist. To get out of the slog of feeling overlooked and devalued and really looking at your life with curiosity. and Look through your past roles and what you can't stop doing and say, that's interesting. Why did I like that? Or why do I compulsively ask people these questions? And really get a lens of taking in data and observing and just observe yourself and observe how you talk to people and observe what people compliment you on. So for me, step one is really just taking in data and it helps break down the process so you're not overwhelmed and think what the heck is out there for me. Does a career even exist with this thing?
1: I appreciate that. And I think one thing I would add to that too, and I'm curious if you've seen it as well. We've seen a lot of people as they start to shift that mindset and treat it more as acting like a scientist and saying, okay, well, what, what is out there? You know, what is the reaction to this, uh, this action? Like, uh, how can I experiment with this? What are the pieces of data being able to begin to attune yourself to recognize those pieces of data? Like you mentioned compliments, like what people compliment you on. One of the things that I found is a lot of people are like, oh, people don't compliment me on anything until they start paying attention and realizing that they're saying things like, oh my goodness, how did you do that? And maybe they're not saying, wow, you're so awesome at this and I want to give you a compliment. But they're saying, wow, how did you like how did you do that in that amount of time? Or like I could never do that. And really, a lot of those things are embedded compliments. And as you start to look at the data that's right in front of you differently, you realize that those things that you are um, great at without even realizing it that are caused by some of your strengths underneath the surface then a lot of times we have a tendency to undervalue them or not realize where they're at because they're so dang easy for us or you know, it's making it to seem like it's not that big of a deal. So uh, I really like your point about paying attention to that data. And the funny thing that happens is you start to begin developing the skill of looking at the data in a different way than what you've realized. Anything else that you would add to that?
0: It probably sounds really nerdy, And really basic, but positivity. (laughs) And I kind of hate to, you know, break it down and it seems kindergarten and be positive, but when you have that attitude of positivity, then you respect yourself a whole lot more. And it makes it a lot easier to see, to tell yourself, I am valuable, and then you see where you add value. And plus, if you're stuck, it's really hard to be positive about your job and yourself because you're you're stuck and you feel incapable. But if you make yourself be positive, then you're going to find a whole lot more opportunities.
1: What and then, were some of the one or two things that really worked for you to help create that positivity in your life or help to make it easier to make yourself be positive, as you said?
0: two things. One is when you have a negative thought or you're down on yourself, like I can never like, get myself to do this or I'm really bad at this, flip it around and say the exact opposite thing. For example, I'm really bad at writing resumes. Make yourself say, I am great at writing resumes. I can do this all day long. It's awesome. I'm fantastic at it. And it'll feel really cheesy and fake at first, but if you make yourself say it, then then your outlook will improve. And then the second thing, which is also really basic, is when you have a negative thought or feeling, say, but at least, and then insert a positive thing. For example, if you have, If your boss is really, really mean, be like, oh, I can't stand my boss. And then say, but at least, at least I like my coworkers. Or at least I am really good at speaking to clients. So it's, like I said, probably sounds really cheesy, but it really helps you to have a filter of seeing where you can add value. Plus, When it's a habit and you go for interviews, then you come off as a whole lot more confident and strong about yourself because you trained yourself to do it.
1: One of the things that I found for me, because I, I think that what I hear you saying and the underlying pieces of what I'm hearing you say is that if you can begin to practice and train yourself to get back to positivity more quickly, then that's part of what Uh, will allow you to spend more time in that positive area. And so for me, I found it really, really difficult to do the, like you said, you know, turn it around completely in the opposite. So I had to almost put like an intermediary step in for myself. And this might help some people that can't go just right to the thing instead of feeling terrible about the resume that I'm writing or whatever else, um, or what's something that I, I don't feel great about right now. Um. My ability to raise plants, (laughs) instead of just flipping that around and saying, I'm really great at raising plants, I couldn't quite get there mentally. So I had to put an intermediary step and say, I can be great at raising plants. And that was my getting back to positivity, if, if you will. So if you're listening to this and what Allison says resonates, use it. If you can't quite get there on that one, there's an even alternative, and we've also had, you know, a variety of other other folks that have had other suggestions too around very similar pieces. This stuff really matters, and you heard it here from Allison, who has made this type of uh, of change and trajectory and done something that is unfortunately, what many people in the world have not done and and won't do. And that's part of the reason we exist as a company is to help make that type of change. So, Allison, I want to say thank you, first of all, for spending the time and coming and sharing your story here and sharing some of the things that worked very, very well for you. And then also just congratulations again, because I don't know if I have told you that. And I just really want you to know that I'm thankful to have been any kind of part of it and getting to witness some of, of this and your growth as you've gone along. So great job.
0: No, thanks, Scott. It's been really fun. And I just want our HTYC listeners to know that your fit is out there and your dream job exists, whether you just haven't heard of it or if you have to create it. but it's there. And when you find it, it's like realizing the person you knew back in middle school is your true love. And it was there all along and it existed and you just didn't know how to find it.
1: Allison, where can, if people are interested in more of your story or want to connect with you, how can people do that? How can they get more, Allison?
0: My website is worklifealignment.org. And I'm Allison at worklifealignment.org because as I may have painted, I really believe in tying your life to your work. So that's where I'm at.
1: Very cool. Thank you again for taking the time and making the time. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Scott. It's been fun.
2: If you're like Allison and you've discovered that you might be a multi-potentialite, we've got a pretty amazing resource for you. mentioned earlier that we've interviewed Emily Wapnick a couple of times. She's done a TED Talk on being a multi-potential A. She's come on our show a couple of times. Uh, She's become a great friend over the years. And we also have interviewed other people about the exact same topic in relation to our strengths and how you can earn income or make a career as a multi-potential A. Now, we've put all of these together in one resource, in a guide to be able to help you turn your multi-potentialite passions into a career as it makes sense for you. You can find that at happendoyourcareer.com slash multipod, P-O-D, multipod. And we've even helped so many multi-potentialites like Allison. We'd love to help you. And a really easy way to find out the very best help for you is email me, scott at happendoyourcareer.com. When I get your email, I'll connect you with our team and we'll get on the phone with you and figure out the very best way that we can help. We'll ask you questions about your goals, what you really want to do, what you know about that, what you don't know about that, and figure out what is the very best way that we can help, even if we need to customize something for you. That's that's it. Drop me an email, put conversation in the subject line and send that to scott at happenedyourcareer.com. We'll take it from there. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week.
0: I am officially the chief communications officer with WineTraveler.com. I honestly did not think it was possible even six months ago.
2: How do we help people
0: think much bigger and how we prevent people from accidentally settling in their own careers and their lives without even realizing it?
2: all that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.